Good morning, church. Good to see each one of you this morning in the house of the Lord and to be together. So how many of you noticed that last Sunday I said Advent instead of Lent? I was just curious. So my question is, do you have your Christmas presents bought? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> No one pointed it out to me, but I would just happen to watch the video, and I'm like, did I just say Advent instead of Lent? <laughs> sure enough, I said it twice even. I was like, oh my goodness. And you know, last Sunday I also mentioned uh, about uh, the bulletin and how we sometimes make errors in the bulletin. I just want to be clear that we are not offended when people point out something in the bulletin that is wrong, because we actually want to know that if we've made a mistake or something needs to be corrected, uh, please let us know because, you know, we don't want, uh, if you had, uh, or if we say in the bulletin that you had your 60th birthday and it was really your 30th birthday, <laughs> that could be an issue. <laughs> so uh, let us know if we ever make a mistake on that. So today is the fifth Sunday of Lent and we're continuing our Lent theme that we've been going through here. The life we now live. And uh, it's hard to believe that Palm Sunday is already going to be here next Sunday, which means Good Friday and Easter is the week after that. But our theme verse for these weeks leading up to Easter and Good Friday has been Galatians 2.20, which goes with our theme. And so if you would, once again, uh, say this with me in unison um, this morning. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, loved me and gave himself for me. Let's open our Bibles together this morning to Romans, the book of Romans chapter 8. It's pretty fitting that we have heard the parable of the sower from Matthew 13 this morning. Um, you know, since many of you are probably getting ready to plant your gardens or farmers are getting ready to, to plant your fields, uh, I'm going to be referring back to that passage and that parable some this morning because what Jesus teaches there goes very well with what we are reading from Paul this morning in Romans 8. And we're going to be reading the first 11 verses. I know on the screen it says 5 through 11, but I decided we can't leave out verses 1 through 4 of this. So uh, we'll be reading verses 1 through 11. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, 
But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's just begin this morning with a, a time of silent prayer as we reflect on these verses that we have heard. Would you bow with me? Lord Jesus, we open our hearts to the move of your Holy Spirit here today among us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, in studying these two passages this week, I had to think of, of how well they really go with our theme that we have had for Lent. Because Jesus and Paul are both trying to get us to think about the life that we are now living. In the Matthew 13 passage, Jesus talks about the four soils. Some soils, you know, were, were fertile and they were ready, while others were dry and, and unprepared. It's an interesting parable to think about, really, in relation to what Paul is saying here in Romans 8, verse 5. Because he says, those who live according to the sinful nature, they have their minds set on what the, the nature, that nature desires. But the flip side of that, those who live in accordance with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So what Paul's talking about there is that constant struggle between our flesh... And the Spirit of God. As my message title this morning says, the virtues of God versus the vices of the world. And of course, Paul, like us, we realize that that is a constant struggle and that it has really huge implications for the life that we are now living. And the life that we are going to live for the rest of eternity. He even goes as far as to say that one of them produces death. And the other one produces life and peace. So if you have a choice, what are you going to choose? You're going to choose life or death. I don't think I need to ask for a raise of hands. <laughs> on that question this morning. 
I think we'd all agree that it would be crazy for us to forfeit a life of peace and eternal life in Christ for the things of this world. Just because we did not receive the seed of God in fertile soil, or we let it be choked out by the vices of this world. So how do, we, how do we define virtue and vice anyway? Well, Christian virtue is often defined as practical attitudes and habits adopted in obedience to the principles of God and the Bible. Vice has many different or several different definitions, of course, but the one that pertains to what we're talking about this morning would be defined as an immoral or evil habit or practice. Sometimes uh, the words sin and vice are used uh, a bit differently because, you know, we, we often talk about sin as being the, the uh, act itself. And sometimes we refer to a vice uh, to the, the tendency we maybe have or that the flesh, the tendency our flesh has to act wrongly. Uh, to things. And so, uh, you know, a vice could be an ongoing temptation in your life that would tend to lead us away from God and towards sin and disobedience of God. And so Paul in verse 5 refers to these as what the flesh desires or what the spirit desires. And in Matthew 13, Jesus uses the example of, of seed that is planted in our lives. So imagine, you know, the picture of your garden or your field that you're getting ready to plant. You want to make sure that it's going to be planted in fertile soil, right? Or in good soil so that it has a chance uh, to survive or to grow. And so Jesus uses this parable to kind of paint that picture of life for us. Uh, being raised to life through the work of the Holy Spirit. And you can see there on the screen if we, if we just go through it again. It, he told them this parable and he says that this farmer goes out to sow his seed. And, and you know, as he's scattering that seed, some fell along the path. And uh, the birds came and they ate it up. Some of the seed fell on rocky places. And so it didn't, you know, didn't have much there, much soil to, to grow. It did spring up quickly, it says, Jesus says, but the soil was shallow and so it dies out. And then the other seed falls among the thorns. And of course, the thorns uh, choke the plant or the seed as it tries to, to grow. And then, of course, the fourth soil is the one that falls in the good soil. The one that produces a crop. It says 160 or 30 times what was sown. I love the way Jesus ends that parable, though. He says, whoever has ears, let them hear. Let them pay attention. In Romans 5, verse 11, it says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead 
is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit, through his Holy Spirit that lives in you. So now contrast that with what Paul writes in verses, verse six, verses 6 and 7. He says, the mind of a sinful man is death, but the mind that, control, that is controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile towards God. It doesn't submit to, to what God's will is, and it really can't, because it's not its focus. But the one that is controlled, uh, oh, I'm sorry, that it's because it's controlled by our sinful nature. And so our sinful nature cannot please God. It sounds familiar to uh, the other picture that Jesus is painting for people in Matthew 13, where, you know, he talks about the evil coming and snatching away what was sown in a person's heart. They've heard the message, he says, but they don't understand it because they are tuned into the world and not so much into the spirit of God. So you see, the vices of the world, they pull us away from the virtues of God. Now, sometimes when people hear the word vices, uh, you know, I think when we hear vices, we think of like habits and addictions. Uh, a lot of times when people refer to vices, they'll, they'll refer to things like smoking or drinking or gluttony or drugs uh, maybe pornography or some other things like that. I mean, those can definitely be things that keep us from God's will for our lives. But we have to realize that also in that category of vices would be things like blasphemy, apostasy, hatred, pride, and idolatry of self, among many other things. So, you know, the world seems to have many vices that it uses in order to keep us from the virtues and the wisdom and a life that God wants for us to live. So I think the question this text encourages us to ask this morning is what vice is keeping you in its grip? And what will it take for you to rely on the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to release you from that grip? As it says here, we need to be in the realm of the Spirit instead of the realm of the flesh. And, you know, so often we are we are led to believe that uh, a little bit of a vice can't hurt anything. But you know, you know how that works. Uh, a little bit of a vice ends up sometimes turning into a lot of a vice, which becomes an addiction, which can become a major problem for us in life. 
Some of those habits that I mentioned, of course, are, are an example of that. What starts out as something just casual or social that we participate in can very quickly become something that is massive and affects every part of our life. And that can be both physical and spiritual. Do we want that in life or do we want to have the peace and the joy and the the fruitful life that God offers to us? It says here in verse 6 that a mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind that is governed by the spirit is life and peace. I mean, what's that? What that's saying is that these things, these uh, decisions about how we are now living our lives can make all the difference in our life now as we have it and as we see it. And it also can make a huge difference in our eternal life to come. So where the seed falls matters greatly. Not only when it comes to uh, temptations that we face, but also the uh, salvation that we are offered through Jesus Christ. And that takes us back to the parable of Jesus in Matthew. Because where the seed of faith, belief, and virtue come to rest is one of the most important things in life. That parable really, you know, was told for two distinct purposes. The first nine verses there are for those who are sowing the seed. It's, uh, I believe it's an encouragement that, you know, even though that seed is sown, and a lot of times it is sown faithfully, it may not always be received in the way that we had hoped in the hearts of the people or the people that, that we are sharing it with. That's probably a message that the disciples needed to hear before they headed out on their mission. That some people are going to actually forfeit this gift, even though that seems crazy for people to do such a thing. In other words, you know, their responsibility and our responsibility now is to sow the word into people's lives and into our world to cultivate that, but not necessarily be responsible for how it is received. I mean, each person has to decide that on their own. Verses 18 to 23 then seem to be spoken to the one receiving the word. You know, is it taking root or are the worldly and fleshly desires and and vices Are they choking that out? As Paul would put it, our minds are set on sinful desires, on what the fleshly nature desires, or are they planted in good soil? I think maybe this morning it's helpful for us to think uh, about whether... We can tell the difference between a Christian or a non-Christian simply by 
observing their life and their actions and the virtues of their life. Some people might say, sure, just look at who goes to church and who doesn't go to church. But we all know that church attendance is not what secures our salvation. Even though some of the recent country music songs that I've heard lead people to think the other way. I love country music, but sometimes I'm like, oh, that's bad theology. <laughs> that's just not right. <laughs> it's not what we preach. It's not what we teach. Um, it does help with some of these things we're talking about this morning as far as being at church and coming to church and being a part of a fellowship like this. But I'm sorry, being here this morning is not your ticket to heaven. Your life with God and your decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Savior is what makes that secure. But there should, you know, there should be a change, there should be a difference where the Spirit of God is controlling us instead of a mind that is hostile to God, as Paul refers to here. And, you know, people want to know. Does Jesus Christ make a difference? Does Jesus Christ make a difference? In this passage, Paul affirms at least four changes in the life of believers that should distinguish them from others in the world. And in these four, we can see <clears throat> the relationship they have with Jesus' parable of the four soils. The first thing that we can distinguish is our condition. Paul begins this chapter in Romans by stating, uh, I think, some of the most uh, beautiful words known to Christianity. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's say that together, okay? Therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That verse guarantees the forgiveness of sins for those who have trusted in Christ and made him the Lord of their lives. A little bit earlier in, in uh, chapter 3, Paul reminds us that all people are sinners. That every one of us starts in the same condition. You know, if you've ever had an, an unclean thought of a vice in your life or a spoken, uh, spoken a white lie in your life, then you are a sinner. And I'm raising my hand as well. But God sent his son Jesus to be a sin offering as Paul proclaims in verse 3. Jesus never sinned when he lived on this earth. But yet he received the penalty for sin that you and I deserved. And when God judges the world, he will see two types of people. Those who are in Christ and those who are apart from Christ. Those who are in Christ are promised eternal life in heaven and, of course, the alternative to that is separation 
and suffering. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that it would be crazy to forfeit the virtues of eternal life with Christ for the vices or the temporal things that this world has to offer. The Christian music group Mercy Me actually puts that into one of their songs. And it says in their lyrics, it said, it, it would be crazy to choose this world over eternity. So we all start in the same condition as sinners, but those who are in Christ are no longer condemned. We are forgiven and we are set free by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. The second thing that will distinguish us is our character. And, uh, you know, Paul claims this truth when he states that through Jesus Christ, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And when Paul uses the word law in this instance, he refers to, um, you know, the power of sin and death versus the power of the Holy Spirit that we have available to us. When people come to Christ in faith and in obedience, the Holy Spirit delivers them from sin's controlling influence. So, you know, does that mean that a new believer is never going to sin again? No, it doesn't mean that. But it does mean that a believer has new strength and help and power to defy temptations that come to us in life and those vices that we are talking about. And we, we all need help with that. So in many ways, our character is, is the essence of Christ's likeness, being like Christ. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis, uh, he talks about becoming little Christs. And he claims that the whole purpose of becoming a Christian is that we might reflect the character of Jesus. It's a tall order, but uh, that is our whole purpose of being a follower of Jesus. He says in our natural state, we are merely statues. It's an interesting way to think about it. But if we allow God to have his way with us, we can come to share the life of Christ. A third area by which Christians should be distinguishable includes the realm of our minds. Our concentration on the wisdom of God and its virtues. I think this is a really important one to think about. You know, what thoughts that you have, what thoughts compete for your attention. Because a lot of times those thoughts are what are going to lead us one way or another. And so a lot of it begins with what we are focusing on in our minds. And, and what we are thinking about. Or what we are allowing our minds to focus on. Going back to what Paul says. Believers 
should have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And then he says that if we do that, we will be characterized by life and peace. And then finally, Paul offers a word of encouragement and, and a promise, really, of God. That we can have confidence in our salvation. You know, he began with that confidence by saying, there is now no condemnation. And he ends with <laughs> that confidence by pro proclaiming the, the persistent hope of all believers that just as Jesus was raised to life, which we're going to celebrate here in a couple weeks with Easter, so too those who have received him as Lord and Savior have been raised to life. Not only does the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus give us eternal life, but it gives us, it gives us purpose and grace and peace in this life now. The life we now live in the body, we live by faith in the Son of God. Because it sets us free. What does Paul say in verse 2 here? Through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. It would be crazy, would it not, to forfeit that life by refusing Christ and choosing the world instead. We could paraphrase verse 2 maybe by saying it this way. Through Jesus, the salvation and virtues of God have set us free from the vices and sin of this world that bring people death. And so if you're here this morning and, and you have been you know, trying to earn your way to heaven or, or earn your way into the, the good graces of God, this is good news for you. Because you don't have to earn anything. All you have to do is be soil, good soil that is receptive to God's seed being sown into your life. And if you are receptive to that truth, then the Holy Spirit will come into your life and guide you and give you a mind that is controlled by God's Spirit and not the sinful nature that is at work in this world. The things of this world we cannot keep, but the things of heaven we cannot lose if we are committed to God. And so if, you, if you're here today and you have received Christ into your life already, I hope this passage can be an encouragement to you, a reminder for you that there is no condemnation if you are in Christ Jesus. No matter what the world says, no matter what the world does, no matter what you tell yourself, you need to live in the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Because in the spirit of Christ, there is life and there is peace. No matter where you are this morning, no matter uh, what kind of soil your life has been, 
in the past, Jesus is ready to take you in. Just as you are. And change your life for the better. And so, you know, will you receive him? Will you lay all of your sins and struggles at the foot of the cross and walk in his salvation? That's the even bigger question this morning. I'd like to end this morning by uh, asking you to stand if you're able. And uh, we're going to sing the song, Just As I Am. Some of you will recognize this song because for many years it's been sung at Billy Graham Crusades. And of course, thousands of people have come to receive Jesus into their life. And uh, we'll sing all six verses of, uh, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our life. And then we will uh, close in prayer. So, Erica.